0: You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Still waiting to be adapted for Canadian television.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. And I finally did it. I tricked Rex into watching Gundam. The absolute absolute mook that he is. the, The rube. I tricked him. I got him.
0: I only have myself to blame.
1: Do you see, you you are but a pawn in my master plan into, you know, getting another one of my friends into Gundam.
0: Of all the Gundam things you showed me, why did you show me this?
1: I mean, I didn't show it to you. You chose to watch it. After I told you to.
0: I'm not falling for your fey tricks and your... (laughs) (laughs) Your your worst play. Well, technically, that's what sovereign citizens do.
1: (laughs) You, You do understand that you owe me your firstborn son now, by the way. You agreed to this. You you consented to this.
0: You know, one day I'll uh, find out your true name and Rumpel, Rumpelstiltskin you out of existence.
1: So yes, uh, in my infinite wisdom, I chose to uh, plan this episode to be about uh, Gundam. Uh, not just any Gundam, a Gundam movie. Not just any Gundam movie, the, uh, the live-action one. That's right, we're talking about g Savior. The best.
0: Judging by the title alone, it really sounds like they didn't want to actually say Gundam. Despite this being it was it was part of a tie in thing for some anniversary stuff, wasn't it? Alongside Ooh, was it Turn A?
1: Yep. Yeah, it was the twentieth anniversary. And actually completely coincidentally, I've been binging Turn A Gundam lately. I, I forgot they were both part of the same uh kind of kind of marketing event thing. And I've gotta say, comparing the two of them, it, Turn A just blasts us out of the water. Turn A's great. I love it. And G Savior is—it's well, it's not great.
0: <laughs> Glowing endorsement. <laughs> well, to be honest, it was passable. It was there. It's a movie. It doesn't feel like it should be Gundam, but yeah, it's got a well, mecha fight at the end.
1: It—it's it, it, a weird—it's a weird bag of chips. I—it—it's.
0: Isn't that a drag queen? I don't know. Bag of chips.
1: Is it? Yeah. That's a drag queen? Yeah, bag of chips. W- why? Also known as bagger. That just makes them sound like some kind of Russian cryptid.
0: <laughs> it's the bag of chips. Hide your children.
1: <laughs> Remember, children, always eat always eat potato chips, or bagger chips will come and drag you into tundra and take you to bulag. Fear all. her mascara. I completely lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, it's we're talking about one. drag
0: now. This is a drag podcast.
1: Well, I mean, we do tend to talk about you know people in bright coloured suits and a lot of makeup and special effects and pageantry and. Okay, that's it. RuPaul's
0: Drag Race is officially tokusatsu.
1: If you can find one explosion in there, I will accept it as tokusatsu.
0: I'm sure. Sh- surely, in something as flamboyant as a drag competition, they would have an explosion. Surely. I don't know, I've never really watched it. I'll ask my sister, she loves drag queens.
1: Fair enough. No, I've completely derailed. Um, okay, G-Savior uh, came out in 2000. Uh, Where did in... we get into drag queens? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. It came out in the year 2000. Uh, it was made, uh, they filmed it in 1998, I think, though. So they, what? They either it took them two years to make it, or they made it. In, oh, okay, we're a bit early. Let's just uh, leave it. Leave it in the cellar for a while to age like a like a fine wine.
0: You mean ferment?
1: Yeah, oh, no, that's what I meant. Ferments
0: like a prisoner's gencom. Ew. <laughs> uh
1: so yeah, G Saviour. It was directed by a man called Graham Neil Campbell, who's not really done he's done a bunch of stuff, but nothing I've ever watched, apart from G Saviour, of course. Um I've heard of Degrassi. Apparently he did uh, four episodes of The Next Generation. Uh, honestly, I was more oh, a fan which of- which ones? I was honestly more a fan of Degrassi Deep Space Nine, but that's just me. Uh, it doesn't say which one specifically.
0: See, I like his work in Conspiracies. He went under a pseudonym, it was uh, Degrassi Noll.
1: He also did an episode of The Outer Limits, something called Street Justice, one episode of a TV series. That sounds neat, I like Street Justice. Okay, so we've got a, a a black guy and a white guy standing back-to-back uh, back with their arms crossed looking at the camera. I know exactly what this series is all about just from that alone. The last few
0: decades of the 20th century were very strange for entertainment.
1: Uh, they've had their ups and downs. Mostly downs lately. The writer for G-Savior also didn't write anything else. Just G-Savior. Uh, it was written by Stephanie Ah. Pignas. Okay, that's... How- 10 C Sy hyphen S Y. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it as close to realistically as I can. Uh, she was also additional crew on Tuesday Morning Ride, assistant to the producers. I I don't know what Tuesday Morning Ride is. And she received thanks in the Tower of Steve.
0: Well, I'm glad that uh, g Savior was her magnum opus.
1: Should we be, though?
0: I don't know. How many live-action adaptations of an anime have you written?
1: None, and I'm the better Ranger? for it.
0: I'll show you. One day my live-action Sonic Underground script will get noticed. It... That exasperated...
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's weird to me this is a Canadian production. Uh, a lot of people... It would be forgiven for uh, can, yeah, I think it's American, but it's actually Canadian. It was uh, produced by Polestar Entertainment, uh, obviously with with Sunrise and Bandai uh, being involved. But it's just weird that Canada was was chosen.
0: Was Gundam big in Canada? Was there some sort of agreement between the TV stations?
1: Well, if there were, if there was, I I don't know about it. It's just. I've got no clue. Um, I mean, Gundam wasn't. A, I don't know Gundam Wing had come out by that point. I pretty, yeah, yeah, would have done. Um, Gundam was pretty popular for like a, a brief moment, in the late nineties, early two thousands in the West, because of Gundam Wing. And then it just went back into hibernation again almost immediately because they didn't follow it up with anything much. Unfortunately, uh, they dubbed the original series and Zeta and stuff like that, but they didn't do anything more contemporary. They wanted to do turn A, I think. But they were made to start from the beginning after Wing. Uh, yeah, this had a budget of five million dollars, apparently. That's peanuts in today's money.
0: That's yeah.
1: Peanuts back then, too. You could
0: really tell that the budget in this film was a little low. You could tell which areas they were trying to skimp at. So, of course, for the generic soldiers, you had the Starship Troopers' armor.
1: yes. Which yes. is
0: everywhere in sci-fi.
1: I... I would have it no other way.
0: It's like glitter or herpes. It's just everywhere and you can't get rid of it.
1: It doesn't clash with Gundam that much. Like pre yeah um kind of body armor for ground troops in in the anime and stuff like that it doesn't look that dissimilar from the uh from the Starship Troopers armor. So it's like it's distracting in the sense that I yeah that's the Starship Trooper armor. I I know what that is. Um but in terms of aesthetics, you know, considering it was made and designed for a completely different production, it doesn't clash at all, actually. It, it's not that bad. It's just funny to see it.
0: Okay, how about another gripe? The dress uniforms at the fancy gala scene for the military. Yes. Obviously just a blue jumpsuit with a big collar put over the top.
1: Yeah, like just that- something
0: they'd have to put their head through, just to cover their head and shoulders, make it look like some sort of uh, military uniform.
1: Yeah no that that vibes that um that that follows on it it actually um takes a lot of inspiration from the uh, the uniforms of the titans from Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam so that's ah um, yeah no it that i was actually quite impressed with the um with the dress uniform design because it does follow on from oh, true. the design
0: looked cool but the execution you could oh, obviously yeah, tell that the collar and stuff was a separate thing
1: yeah well Again, that's not unheard of in Gundam either. The Xeon um, officers in the original series had a kind of um, tabard kind of thing that came over their, uh, their uniforms and stuff like that. It's not... Weirdly enough, in some ways, this follows like Gundam conventions pretty decently, which is shocking. because then I guess
0: this... I'm just an uneducated plebeian. I await my arrest.
1: <laughs> but it's just... Just weird. Like this movie isn't disrespectful to the source material. Like it sets it um seventy years after. um Oh lord, is it? Is it Victory? I think it's, yeah. I think it's set seventy years after Victory, but it's set in the same timeline and continuity as the original series. Because this takes place in the year zero two two three. I think it is.
0: Ah yes, the Universal Century. Or judging by the dress sense of most of the characters, the universal nineties.
1: <laughs> no,
0: seriously, this is this is Star Trek Voyager levels of nineties.
1: Funny, uh, funny thing. Uh, the the guys who did the CGI and they also do the CGI for Star Trek at the time. Amazingly enough, I, I started watching this, and my brother was in the room with me while I was watching it. Um, and he looked around to see what I was watching, and just from the, um, the opening bars of the song, you know, the music they were playing, and the, you know, the space thing, you can see like, oh, you're watching Star Trek. And I just I paused and had a good old laugh, because I was thinking to myself at that exact moment, like, oh, this sounds like discount Star Trek.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. You just both came to the same decision. He wasn't even actively engaging in the thing, but it's like, <laughs> yo.
1: It's a weird kettle of fish. So, so the, it's not even that bad in a lot of ways. So the the basic plot is that uh, the Earth Federation has collapsed. So the Earth Federation, uh, for the majority of the Universal Century, is the de facto governing body of the Earth sphere, which is all of the planet Earth and its satellites and the space colonies surrounding it. the conflict in the original series was kicked off by one cluster of colonies called Sides, declaring independence and naming themselves the Principality of Zeon. Then a war from ind- independence is you know, what the first series is about. Uh, so the Federation is, is collapsed and has been replaced with Consent, uh, which is basically the Federation again.
0: So is that why Zeon wasn't name-dropped? I kept on hearing a lot of things about the colonies, but I was thinking, come on, say Zeon.
1: Well, Zeon hasn't been relevant for... Ages by this point. In fact, ah. I, I'm surprised they didn't mention anything about it. Um, yeah, it. I was expecting some name dropping of Zeon because while they haven't been active for a good long while, you would have thought that yeah, such an important part of history would be referenced at some point, or any of the other um, you know subsequent factions that cropped up, like the AU or or Cosmo Babylonia.
0: Hmm. I'm going to pretend I know what those are.
1: <laughs> but again, it, in other ways it's actually quite um it fits quite nicely. In. I mean it's Sunrise doesn't like uh G-Savior and they've stated officially that they don't like to acknowledge it. But at the same time, it's they haven't discounted it and subsequent series have actually kind of um kind of acknowledged it tacitly um in you know, in, in their lore and backstory because the um So so the the story about this revolves around an Earth, uh, damn it, a um a food shortage, not an Earth shortage, not yet anyway, uh, a a food shortage affecting the Earth sphere, and uh, so there are people who are trying to uh, work out ways of kind of culturing agriculture to kind.
0: Didn't they do cannibalism at one point? I distinctly Ah, remember you mentioning they had cannibalism.
1: This is what I'm getting to. So they've they've they're trying to. Culture, agriculture, like under the water, by using bioluminescence and stuff like that. Uh, they're, they're trying everything they can to fix this. Now, this shouldn't be an issue, especially for space colonies, because space colonies have agriculture pods um, around the tail end of them, in which they're dedicated to um, growing nothing but food for the colonies. The colonies should be absolutely fine because of those agriculture pods. Um, Earth is in a decline. Um, so that makes sense for them anyway uh, in G in, in G which is set even further in the future so they're not even using the Universal Century calendar anymore, they're using the um, I can't remember how to pronounce it R- Regiled, uh Century calendar it is mentioned that humanity had to resort to cannibalism at some point in the distant past to the point where a specific caste of humanity was designated for food stock and their descendants are still uh, discriminated against to this day, not um, not massively, but they are still referred to as Kuntala, which is the name of their cast and they're still are they like
0: the Danny DeVito looking ones from all of uh, Matsumoto's animes?
1: <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised they haven't done something like that in Matsumoto's. But uh, no, no, it's they're, they're they're indistinguishable from you know everyone else who wouldn't have been eaten. They just people just have um, kind of preconceived biases against them for some reason. So, again, that's what I was talking about. Um, Recon Geaster in G kind of validates G Savior, which is weird. I now, mean, he doesn't to right say, oh, yeah, um, remember remember G Savior? Well, we're a tacit sequel to that. It, but it, it just kind of fits G Savior in a little bit better, a little bit more, you know? It's just weird. So, our, our main character is called Mark. And oh, I... hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark.
0: Just gonna let that hang there for a sec. Uh, none of us will be Mark.
1: Now, uh, now I'm just thinking about the room. I'm, i I'm, I'm just doing the room now. Uh, so the plot of the room, such as it is. Uh, no, so, so Mark uh, is is our main character, and uh, defying all known uh, you know conventions and tropes of Gundam is an actual adult with a career. Uh, he's he he's working in. Um, He's a mobile suit pilot and I'm not entirely sure what else he does in um, in that sub- base why, why was he
0: underwater doing stuff? I know that I know why he got underwater because it was the generic defying command and obviously evil command from a superior kind of thing.
1: yeah well, he- oh yeah this
0: plot is incredibly generic in the beginning. maybe in the end it's got some nice little turns but otherwise it's just generic sci-fi. You can see everything coming, especially when you see Scientist Lady.
1: <laughs> so, oh God, it's this movie is so dry that I can't quite dig my teeth into it and get some traction going with it. I'm just going to blitz forward and see if I can make my own momentum. So, uh, Mark is a mobile suit pilot, and I'm not sure what else. Maybe he does security. I think that's what he does. They don't quite outright explain it. I think he does security. He's working there and he pilots a mobile suit, which looks like a Zagok, which I appreciate. You don't know what a Zagok is.
0: No, but it had like 10 seconds of screen time.
1: Yeah. Again, it, it, they've tried, and which is weird to me. Anyway, so uh, he, he gets his establishing moment where they're all like, oh, there's this guy. He's probably going to die. Uh, womp womp. And he's all like, no, um, I'm going to go save him. And he has like a flashback to his backstory, which is that he was told not to save someone by a superior officer and he hesitated uh, and then he tried to save him and then he was dead. And he was all like, oh, F- I now have PTSD and will not pilot a mobile suit in combat again until he does. And then he went to uh, he went to be under the sea in an octopus's garden.
0: Well, if it worked for the Simpsons, you know, there'll be no accusations, just friendly crustaceans under the sea. <laughs>
1: Um, th- this is when um, our plot kind of hits him. We get uh, a bunch of scientists coming in in weirdly modern, well, I say modern nineties frog suits, which you know it's like these Gundam. They they have better diving suits than this. Okay,
0: oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! This actually reminds me of something. So of course, a mobile suit drops to the surface of the ocean. Did it fall from
1: yeah, it fell a from space station? Bit.
0: Yeah, how would that thing not just collapse under all the atmospheres? Uh hmm. like this is literally a future armor quote. How many atmospheres can the ship handle, Professor? Well, it is a starship, so anywhere between zero and one.
1: <laughs> well you do get aquatic mobile suits like the um Not Zagok that we saw at the beginning. And mobile suits can survive underwater for a bit to a certain depth, but Unless they're specifically designed to be amphibious or aquatic, they shouldn't be able to get to the sea floor. No. In fact, I'm surprised it could. Uh, uh, no, yeah, I'm surprised it managed to get through the atmosphere on its own. In good, in most Gundam anime, atmospheric entry is a legitimate, yeah, you know, issue that has to be overcome. Uh, it's it's a surprise when the original Gundam was able to make it in yeah through the atmosphere on its own. Uh, the Zeta Gundam. Has to have a specific mode it transforms into to be able to survive atmospheric reentry. The Mark II can't do it at all. Like it had to use a um, like a sled to take the brunt of the atmospheric forces. Yeah, for it.
0: Also, I noticed a bunch of people in scuba suits. Yeah. Didn't get crushed by the pressure. That's now that's the least believable part. Like they're just wearing rubber body suits. Like what?
1: Maybe they had, like, a uh, submarine that they docked and then popped... Why were they wearing a scuba suit,
0: though? I'm going to make another Futurama reference. Maybe they survived the pressure by taking their suppositories.
1: So, yeah, no, they come in and they start rummaging around. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Dick turns up. Uh, he's called Jack. And all I was thinking of was Rimmer when I was watching him. I was thinking to myself, goalpost post-head, Call posthead Call post-head, goalpost head
0: I did not. I was not thinking
1: Rimmer. It's just more I, I, generic, obvious maybe, villain sort. Maybe I'm forgetting what Rimmer looks like. I'm going to Google him now just to make sure I don't look like an idiot.
0: No, no. Rimmer's more pathetic.
1: Well, no, He's no, not I, evil. He would be evil given the opportunity. Yeah, true. No, yeah, he looks kind of like Rimmer ish. I, I, I just saw an officious jackass in a uniform and I thought, ah, Rimmer.
0: Ah, true. That part makes sense.
1: Boy, our non-British listeners are going to be great. They're going to love this.
0: Uh, watch Red Dwarf. It's good stuff.
1: So, yeah, he, he comes in and takes over. I don't know why he's there.
0: Um, to constantly remind. Ah, no, it's just there to introduce the villain for the mech fight in the end. That's all that we care about. Maybe they were tracking him. I,
1: there are some lines of dialogue that I couldn't quite make out. Um, and I didn't really want to go back and rewatch bits of G safety. You know, it's not worth it. Um, anyway, he's there and he's all like, oh, um, oh. Right now he's there because of the um, the guy who crashed. That would make a lot more sense. So he turns up with his um, with his his his, po- his posse his his gaggle, uh, and then these guys turn up and they start rummaging around um, trying to find some scientific samples that the head scientist on that base was looking for. Um, they get captured, um, and our, our boy Mark is hailed as a hero for saving that guy, and he's also given the honor of uh, having captured. The, uh, the scientist lady, even though he didn't. I'm not sure why they did that. Anyway, um, they go to a, a gala thing with his girlfriend. And he gets asked, oh, uh, could you could you interrogate this this scientist lady for us? She won't tell us anything. And then he goes to do it. And he doesn't have clearance to do it.
0: He just social engineers his way in.
1: Yeah, which is weird. Like The, the general says, oi, mush, uh, c- could you talk to that lady for me, please? She She's not telling us anything. And then he goes to do it. He's doing it behind
0: generic army villain man's back and thinking, but they're on the same side. So is, this is supposed to be some 4D chess stuff, I think. But then he just ha- was completely blatantly cartoonishly evil near the end.
1: Okay, I know you haven't watched much, um, much Gundam, but you have watched Star Trek. So just imagine him in a Starfleet Admiral uniform and then you'll understand. But yeah, no, so I, I, I didn't quite get that. Because the general's all like, go talk to her. And he's like, no, I don't want to talk to her. And then he goes to talk to her. And he he persuades the prison guard, who is a really cool guy. And I wish they hadn't killed him, but he gets killed later on. And, and then he's sneaking her around the holding facility, which for some reason has a biolab in it.
0: Yeah. Why was the MacGuffin the bioluminescence? It just seems really odd, because when they demonstrate it, oh, look, it actually works, the military is trying to cover us up. That kind of thing would not be physically possible in terms of bioluminescence. They, that's yeah. the equivalent of some white phosphor or something, because it's just like, ha, we can blind a whole room.
1: Yeah, but there's loads of stuff that doesn't quite make sense in, in Gundam. Just wait until I get to new types. Ah. So so they, 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 they mix two um, test tubes of, of goo together, and I'm not sure that's how biochemistry works, but I don't know enough about biochemistry to refute it. So they do that, and they're like, oh, it, it works. We, we can solve the food crisis with bioluminescence, which somehow generates heat.
0: Hey, aren't they in space? Like, aren't the colonies in space? Can't they just be...
1: Like, again you're absolutely right the space colonies should be absolutely fine they've got an abundance like, of resources they have from access to belts. this
0: source of energy that's been burning for
1: a very long time again they have they have agriculture pods specifically for this and this isn't just me like oh in uh in in this uh visual guide to gundam on, on page 76 uh someone mentions that they've got agriculture pods so this is actual in canon in the show um I think it's in Zeta Gundam, they accidentally blow one up and it's a massive issue that I think they're not allowed to dock at that colony anymore because of it. Like, these are actual things we see, they're again, so somehow there's a food shortage I mean, Earth, like I said, Earth, it makes sense that they have a food shortage, but they control most of the sides except they don't control two sides and the moon. They have plenty of space colonies to send them food as taxis and stuff like that that's, anyway where was I in the plot? Okay, so they, they mix them together and then they get apprehended by Rimmer. Now, I, there's just little little niggles in the plot that bug me as all. So they escape from them because Rimmer is an evil evil jackass. Um, and then they, they tip their hand by using one of the test tubes of super bioluminescence as like a, a, a flash grenade.
0: Because, of course.
1: And then they run and then they meet up with um, scientist ladies, uh, Cynthia's uh, assistants and interns, One's her assistant, one's an intern, um, and it turns out that they're the terrorists that tried to break in, and they weren't terrorists at all, and they were just trying to continue research that they were doing incognito with the um, the sea base's head scientist. Hey, can we talk
0: about Cynthia? Because, like, this character, there are zero surprises with her. Like, um, just right from the beginning. Um, because as soon as she talks, it's like, okay, yeah, she starts out as being perceived as an antagonist or something in the beginning, and obviously she's girlfriend bait.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: But even then, like, bland McGirlfriend that protagonist Manmark already has, it's like, but that It's just like, eh. And you know there's gonna be a romantic
1: thing. Ah, oh, we may as well talk about it now. I had some b- bits in my notes specifically about this. Um. I... I actually quite like Mark as a protagonist. He's not breaking any new ground or anything like that, but I don't dislike him. Except when it comes to the fact that he's like perfectly willing to dump his girlfriend as soon as he's had one kiss with Cynthia, like come on man.
0: He doesn't really explain it that much. If it showed there was some turmoil between the two, that would have been fine.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Mimi was surprisingly supportive throughout this entire thing up until that point. And then she just completely does a one eighty and anyway, we'll get to that when we're talking about the plot but i would have forgiven all of that if they mentioned new types now new types in gundam are weird in the most basic kind of thematically relevant form they are the next step in human consciousness uh, and are a group of humanity who have evolved in space who are able to understand one another without misconceptions or miscommunications that's basically what they are in theory though they're weird space psychics um because they grew up in low to zero gravity so they have better spatial awareness they also have telep- uh, telepathy telekinesis um that kind of thing it, it it gets weirder as more stuff gets added to them uh, like they're able to it, they start making mobile suits specifically for them that they can partially move with their minds um, Anyway, when two powerful enough new types come into contact with one another, they will inevitably, or maybe it's just because of the ones we've seen up until now have been adolescents, but they will form this bizarrely strong bond with one another, bordering on infatuation in some cases, which creates quite a few issues because of it. Um, if both Cynthia and Mark were new types... And they kind of formed that kind of yeah that kind of new type bond with one another. I would have been absolutely fine with Mark kind of going along with it because that that kind of thing happens. It happened with Camille in um, Zeta Gundam. But they they don't mention new types at all. And New types are. I'm getting sidetracked on this, but I just want to say new types are really important in Universal Century era Gundam. And the fact that they don't mention them at all is really weird.
0: So in this case, the moral of the story is. He's not a psychic, he's just a cheating bastard.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. He was way too eager to... I mean, obviously we don't see the whole relationship. You know, maybe maybe she's abusive off screen, who knows? Probably not. I think he
0: just seemed bored of her and unresponsive. She's like, hey, maybe you could move in. It's more yeah. he's not really communicating with her and there's no reciprocation. And she, like, Mimi, is pulling all the weight.
1: Clearly their relationship isn't great. And yeah, probably they should split up. But there are times and places and ways to do this and we're getting quite hung up on this one guy being a bit of a d- douche in this regard but it's just your protagonist he's not even he's not even treated as he's not even it's, it's, you know, especially sorry about it like he's just like yeah uh, uh okay anyway uh back to the plot where did we get to um
0: oh i took us on a cynthia tangent when we got to her ragtag band of Of
1: lovable misfits
0: with zero character development
1: one of them gets shot
0: yeah but she survives
1: yeah yeah
0: i mean if you're going to develop you develop into a corpse
1: well that is the gundam way lots of people die in gundam well that's why the um that's why yoshiki tomino the guy who created gundams his nickname is Kill 'em all tomino so they they end up like hijacking a, a shuttle and this is pretty neat actually they again this is one of those details that they kept from the uh, from the anime uh, and included here, it doesn't just take off like the Millennium Falcon and just zoom out into space. They have to take a runway and a you know uh, a ramp to get uh, an entry vector and you know, entry speed. Which yeah, that's how they do it. Um, leaving Earth is a consistent issue in a lot of Gundam shows because you have to be very careful and have to be very specific about it. Yeah, there's like two whole episodes in in zeta gundam where uh where the boys are trying to get back into space and they have to take over a um the space um like a launch base you know to do it and they can't just fly out there on their own and the they actually use practical effects for like the first time and the only time in this film i'm pretty sure that it was a little um uh, a shuttle prop that they did, and it looked way better than anything else in the movie.
0: Oh yeah, I did notice that when it um was on screen. I was yeah. thinking they had a good chunk of CGI with it, but then there was just some physical prop.
1: Yes, and it looked nice. It looked it looked good. Maybe maybe it's the fact that the rest of the film around it doesn't look so good, but that one bit was like, oh, practical effects.
0: <laughs> we were so starved at this point.
1: <laughs> But yeah no, um, so they get off and then they go to another space colony and then they meet up with a guy um, and he says Leo, I'm I'm part of the Illuminati, not that Illuminati. Um, uh, we're good guys, I guess. Uh, we got a Gundam. Do you want the Gundam? I I think
0: Boss Illuminati man was supposed to be a colleague of his.
1: Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, they they were flight buddies together, and he faked his own death, and he and a bunch of people defected from Consent. And formed a group called the Illuminati to fund and manipulate events, to um, you know, to their desires.
0: What a completely original idea! I applaud them.
1: Well, you say that. I mean, it it's not bad. I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of like a cross between the AUG and Anaheim a lot. Uh, blah, blah, Anna, blah, uh, Anaheim Electronics. Blanheim. Blanheim. It's like a combination of those because the AU was a splinter group in Zeta Gundam from the Federation which um, kind of split off and kind of took resources. It's hard to to explain to a non-believer such as yourself. Um, And Anaheim Electronics, it kind of takes the um, shadowy kind of manipulation bit from it as well. It's it's neat. This film introduces concepts which are neat. And if explored in a full series, I would probably enjoy.
0: Yeah, they really didn't explore it enough. They didn't even give them a chance to become a Tesco owned brand Rebel Alliance.
1: Well yeah Again, I've got a bit about that and I'll come to that when we get to it. But you're right. So they fly off and then they come to a debris field and they're all like, Oh, oh God, oh Lord, we we can't get through this. We, oh what are we gonna do? Oh if only someone would get in the robot and then Mark gets <laughs> in the robot. And it's a, it's a pretty decent sequence, he just goes through and he's are like, oh, uh, pew pew, get, get rid of the debris, then we can fly through it. And so they fly through it and they get to the Gaia Colony. And uh, the guys in charge of the Gaia Colony is all like, yeah, um, yeah and we're going to capitulate because the what the, the Earthsea already thinks we're dicks. So yeah, we'll just not do anything, you know, hope for the best.
0: I really did like the scene when they first introduced him flying the G-Savior. I mean, it was okay. It was just something simple, like, okay, he's flying around, slashing some debris, he's cutting through it with a lightsaber. It was all right. What I really wasn't too keen on was the fact that they used the same cockpit for everything in the movie. I thought they were still on that shuttle thing. I'm thinking, how the hell could they fit a Gundam in there? But no, they were on some sort of colony space fire truck looking thing
1: the cockpits really bug me in this they infuriate me and i understand that it's a low budget production but even by um you know one year war you know 0079 year um technology standards it's still pretty low tech like by zeta gundam which was how many years after anyway um Zeta Gundam is a few years after the original series, and they've got panoramic cockpits, which means that the cockpits are, in most mobile suits, are spherical. Um, you sit in the middle of, on it, on a um, you know, on a seat with the controls around it, on the arms and stuff like that, and you've got pedals and junk like that. But the inside of the ball you're sat in uh, shows you feed from the cameras on the mobile suit, meaning that you can see in that cockpit everything the mobile suit can see in a 360 360- One, yeah, in a completely spherical field of vision. So you look up, you can see what the mobile suit looks like when it looks up. This doesn't have that. It has like one screen in the in the front, and the heads up display is pretty alright. Like in in the beginning, um, when it's kind of Mm -hmm. mapping the sea floor for him, that looks pretty alright. That didn't look bad. But this takes place like over a hundred years in the future from when mobile suits were created they shouldn't be using this level of technology especially especially in a gundam
0: i really don't think they'd be able to do it even if they had a bigger budget something like that to be impressive you'd need to wait at least a decade
1: i I get that but it's like they didn't even try to make it look this is just a little niggle and it doesn't affect the plot or anything like that it just really bugs me that these mobile suits don't None of these mobile suits look as advanced as they should be none of them even transform from zeta onwards or from the midpoint of zeta onwards uh, transforming mobile suits who can go from mobile suit to mobile armor are quite common because they stop um from that point on they start constructing mobile suits uh as movable frames with armor plates uh, bits of armor and stuff like that on them so they figured that they can just shift the armor around and configure them in different ways to make them more maneuverable and stuff like that, and you have know, a sleeker profile, so they're harder to hit. None of that happens. They did it do
0: something along that, though, with um, a bit of the combat near the end where he goes into the colony and they start uh, taking off bits and adding bits of armor on for terrestrial combat?
1: Right, but that's. I get what you mean, and yeah, it's clear that it does have an inner frame, but it's, it's, it's a modular thing. It doesn't transform, which. Mm. Another point I have is that, yeah, the, the G Savior doesn't look bad, but it's. We don't we don't get a good feel for what it really looks like because they keep changing its loadout any any other gundam especially from sh- from series that i've watched and enjoyed i know exactly what that gundam looks like i know exactly what most mobile suits from that series look like i cannot hold a, a detailed picture of the g savior in my head and uh, maybe it's the kind of dated cgi uh, maybe it's the fact that it's so kind of faded and washed out you know that none of the colors pop like it is red uh, blue, yellow, and white, but not very vibrant at all.
0: Uh, would you say this is the most underwhelming mech of a series, or the main representative mech?
1: I'd say it's pre-mech.
0: So you can tell on sight that it is a Gundam.
1: Oh yeah, it's absolutely. But it Gundam. doesn't even
0: mention it in name. No, Just they never G- mentioned
1: Gundam. You. Okay. Um, where were we in the plot synopsis? Uh, they, yeah, they go there, and then um, Consent turns up to the Gaia <laughs> Colony, and we're all like. Uh, you got some jackasses in your colony uh, we're going to give you, you know, 10 minutes to uh, surrender and then they don't let them surrender And anyway they launch in their mobile suits and they have a big old battle and then they win the battle and everything's hunky dory by the end uh, they, they, they show everyone they've got the bioluminescent stuff and it just kind of ends uh, and Mark at the end is all like I'm going back to Earth to stand trial a trial you know obviously run by the very uh, government <laughs> your very government yeah, that I I've don't... defied <laughs> like the man doesn't quite seem to understand that his crimes against that you know organisation have gone beyond accusations of murder which can be refuted to outright rebellion and terrorism and even if he doesn't
0: the government's still going to be corrupt as hell it's not just one mad military bloke
1: it, it doesn't really make much sense um and he's all like, yo, Cynthia, come come to Earth. And she agrees. You shouldn't. Like, you guys st- stay mm-hmm. on the Gaia Colony. Like, you're safe there. You've been offered political asylum. And the guy's offered to negotiate a pardon for you guys. Do that. I'd, anyway, man's an idiot. Clearly. Um, Mimi... Makes the defense lasers for shooting down asteroids shoot their sh- the the consort ship because she's mad that Mark kissed Cynthia, which I get her being mad, but he, they killed like multiple guys on that ship and maybe they weren't innocent, but she wasn't to you know. I suppose now is a good time to talk about characters. Uh, we've already said we already talked about Cynthia. No surprises there. She's a scientist lady. Yeah, she's doctor a girlfriend. Decent, yeah, she's a decent doctor girlfriend. Um... She takes all the boxes. She's fine. I didn't especially like her, but I don't dislike her. Mark, I kind of weirdly do like, like I mentioned. Like he's a dick, but he can be... I thought
0: he was like a real dick in the beginning. I'm thinking, there's yeah. no way this is the protagonist. Surely he's going to get shot down oh. for being arrogant. I oh, thought oh, it was going to be the guy who's eating in the control room who was going to be the protagonist.
1: There is a pretty decent uh, tradition of Gundam protagonists being dicks. So Amuro Ray, the first one, um, selfish, um, narrow-minded. He kind of just kind of does his own thing quite a lot of the time. and kind of mellows as the series goes on. Uh, Camille Bidan from Zeta Gundam, hot-headed, impetuous, uh, insecure, got a bit of a complex. Uh, Judo Ashtar, he's a uh, rambunctious rapscallion. He he, he kind of goes on from there. Uh, Ko from Stardust Memory, he's a (laughs) simp.
0: (laughs) I don't think simp is a personality trait
1: Oh it is for co. it is His two personalities are uh, simp And I don't like carrots I'm only mostly joking Wow There is precedent for, for Mark being a bit of a douche in this And I like him because of it Like he's He doesn't annoy me with how much of a douche he can be I find it entertaining I wouldn't like to meet him in person probably But I find it entertaining to watch And I'm surprised they managed to do that. Maybe that's based on how the actor played him. I don't think the actor was taking this 100% seriously.
0: Actually, there was one thing that uh, got a bit of a smile out of me when he was going to head out in the Gundam. So he gave Cynthia a big kiss, you know, to say, if I don't see you again kind of thing, really big snog, and then just go... Well, no, it wasn't... Actually, it was more of a peck, wasn't it? So it's one of those kisses where it's like, blatant, it's in front of her father, who is the leader, and he just pats him and goes, no kiss yes. for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was good. I was, yeah.
0: That was a very well-written one-liner. It was yes. perfect.
1: Um If... I If we had more time with him, I think he'd be a pretty decent main character if we had time to explore his pretty evident PTSD and stuff like that. Uh, his rival, um Jack... Rimmer. Most Gundam shows have a The Rival character. So it started out with Shah in the original series and then Jared after that. Usually blonde. Oh, just like in Robot Jocks. Just like in real life. Blondes should never be trusted.
0: It's always those big blonde chads who steal your girl.
1: Damn the Ubermensch. So he's pretty easily early established as being The douche of the movie, like King Douche. Because he's the most proactively douchey. Like, Mark is endearingly douchey, except for the whole, you know, cheating thing. The general is kind of more standoffish than douchey. But, you know, Jack is, you know, actively. He's the most proactive douche and most malignant douche. Take a drink every time I say douche this episode. Like, I keep uh, keep comparing him to Rimmer from Red Dwarf, and I just. I, I started off doing it as a joke just to myself, and now I can't stop it. Um, there's, there's nothing to him.
0: See, I'm not seeing that though because Rimmer was he, he an incredible of, stickler to it.
1: It's no, he just, uh, he, to the looks, rules. he just kind of looks like Rimmer, and uh. he's an officious dude in a, in a uniform. That's that's all it took for me to think yeah. ah, Rimmer. Like I, said, uh, I didn't it get Chris out,
0: Barry vibes.
1: Well, no, obviously not. But you know, it's just like a little, little little joke to myself, and now I've just, I just I can't stop doing it. It's like when I started saying my dude. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, isn't it funny, my dude? And now that's just, like, I do the shaka to people now as a greeting, and that started out as a bit of a joke, and now it's just uh, an integral part of my personality.
0: You've fallen prey to the hipster's curse.
1: I'm not a hipster. Yes, you are. I'm not.
0: The first step is admitting it. No, I'm
1: not.
0: Yes, you are. Put the Hawaiian shirts down. Put down the mustache wax.
1: Ew. What do you take me for? Sure, I wear a poncho, but that doesn't mean I'm a dick. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, man.
1: Ponchos to... need to come back. Oh, yes, wait, we've got to I talk agree. about this movie. Oh, yes, the movie. This is in the Poncho Power Armor podcast. Uh, so, yeah, no. Uh, um, can you car- make a...
0: No, you can't make a poncho out of spandex. It would be too... It would be oh. too loose or too tight.
1: They did have a poncho um, in, in Ninja. The 6th Ranger has a, has a kind of small poncho as part of his chest armor thing.
0: Is that the... Cowboy themed one.
1: Yes, that is a cowboy themed one.
0: Wasn't his transformation device a hamburger?
1: Actually, scratch it, he's not a he's not a cowboy themed one, he's an one. American themed one. American. His main weapon is uh is an electric guitar sword. And his transformation <laughs> okay. thing is a hamburger and his mech is an ATV bison. Uh, how did they
0: do this with a straight face in Power Rangers?
1: <laughs> you know what I don't know. I didn't watch um Ninja Steel. I should
0: Seemed like a really cool premise though, because it's like, yeah. Oh cool, the villains because are doing the their game own game, game show thing. kind of thing.
1: That is a pretty decent thing. They're not they've not done that before. That's that's pretty neat. Um I'll Yeah. We're just trying to talk about stuff that's more engaging than G Saviour, aren't we?
0: Yes. Because G Saviour is just
1: kind it's of meh.
0: bland. I mean, I enjoyed Ultraman last yeah. episode. We watched the animated Ultraman movie. Yeah, I was I was enjoying more of it. But with G Saviour, it just doesn't feel right as a Gundam movie Sure they've got some of the aesthetics They've got the cutaway scenes to the CGI But it could be literally anything You could take out all the CGI scenes Of the Gundam all of the mecha and, The Gundam yeah. itself
1: Doesn't actually have any kind of relevance Gundams usually have some kind of relevance Or are the inciting incident In a, in a show Like the the original series The Gundam is the Federation's you know Prototype main kind of close combat mobile suit it, it's a big thing because at that point only zeon had mobile suits in zeta gundam it starts off with the gundam mark ii that they're still testing and developing and they move on to the zeta gundam which is the first transformable mobile suit but it, it, it's given more focus and importance um in turn a gundam that came out around the same time the turn a gundam is incredibly important and incredibly relevant to the plot of that series, I won't give any spoilers because I, yeah, you know, I want you to at least watch *Turn A Gundam*. It's really, really good and it's really sweet. Never, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get you one of these days. I'll get you to do it. <laughs> um, hey, look it, at this!
0: Sid Mead did some work on it. Yes, he did.
1: Yeah, he did. Good you like Sid Mead.
0: graphic designers that uh, produce concept art for <laughs> significant like sci-fi franchises?
1: you like aliens. Damn it,
0: fool, you tricked me into Gundam again.
1: (laughs) You know, the G-Savior in this is really inconsequential. It could be any mobile suit, really. The beam shield is neat. It's neat, I guess. It's a fine mobile. It's far from my least favourite mobile suit. It's not my favourite. It's not a goof. I love the goof. I just want to put that out there. Goofs are really good.
0: Is that the blue Zaku-looking thing?
1: I—that's no Zaku, boy. No Zaku. That's a quote from the original dub of Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. And of
0: course, it goes right over my head. I did notice that some of the um, bad guy mecha in this had the Zaku eye thing going on.
1: Yeah, uh, but they don't make the noise, which is really annoying. When it comes on, oh. it's Bong. like when when the. Um... When the guy's not Zagok at the beginning, like when that mono eye turns on, I was expecting like a boom noise, and it just didn't make it, which sucked. But yeah, no, the um, a lot of the a uh, lot of the Consent mobile suits uh, are clearly inspired by Xeon mobile suits. They got the the red circular mono eye thing going on. Uh, the the uh, the Gaia mobile suits are very clearly inspired by the GMs, which was the mass production variant. Um, so the Gundam was a prototype... Oh, I think they had a
0: similar thing of those in uh, Thunderbolt. They looked like those.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. And th- yeah, 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 we watched Thunderbolt together, yeah. In Thunderbolt, they start off with, uh, with GMs, which is a mass production version that was developed from the Gundam. So, I mean, those are very obviously... I mean, the head, that just screams GM. Or Jim. My big issue with the mobile suit action in this is that it's so slow and ponderous, and it was a massive mistake to make it live action at in 1998 because they could not make those models move with the speed that they need to and have them look good I think I don't think they could animate them like that their only option really based on what I've seen around the same time that has also been made with CGI like that was really to make them ponderously slow and floaty and have them be taken seriously at all basically which is unfortunate but I get it it just makes the it just makes the fight scenes not look particularly engaging, basically, which is half of the appeal of Gundam. You know, one half is war is hell, humanity sucks, let's not do war, and the other half is oh, cool robot. The duality of Gundam. But I mean, look, if if I were to sum up my my thoughts on uh, on G Savior, it's not as bad as everyone says it is. Like, it, it's got this reputation in the community for being this rock bottom the absolute worst. i think i think even sunrise is is a bit too harsh on it i mean they've, they've acknowledged this a little bit more in later years like um in the builds i think i can't remember if it was build divers or build fighters but they do have they do feature a, a g savior gunpla in that um oh, g reco cool. um kind of fa- factors stuff from that end tacitly but it's not horrible like I've seen some actively unpleasant movies to watch, and I'm not talking about stuff like um, like Grey of the Fireflies, where that's the point. I'm talking about stuff like uh, Batman vs Superman, where it a- absolutely saps any kind of positivity from my body. This doesn't. It was fine. I was moderately engaged while watching it. Am I going to watch it again? Probably not. If you are a kind of Universal Century or Gundam completionist, then you should watch this. It's on YouTube for free, not entirely legally, but you can watch it. You should. What? It's like ninety minutes long. Don't be a coward. Just, just, watch it.
0: There are worse ways to spend ninety minutes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what's your thoughts, Rex? What's your takeaway as a as a newcomer of, you know, to to Gundam?
0: It wouldn't get me into Gundam. It's more of a novelty ah, at this point. It's like, oh, hey, five. they made a live-action thing. It yeah, it yeah. had less of a societal impact <laughs> than Ultraman The Adventure Begins.
1: Its biggest... Uh, what's, the be- what's the best way of wording what I want to say? It, its biggest kind of feature, I guess, is that it's a live-action Gundam movie, it, which is bad for it. Like, it... it it shouldn't be a novelty. You shouldn't watch it as a novelty, I guess. But if you're going to watch it, isn't there are worse reasons to watch something.
0: Yeah, don't go in expecting Citizen Kane. The ending's okay. Like the ending mech fight, they've got a bit of a lightsaber duel going on. That was satisfying, but it didn't go on long enough to actually be fun or demonstrate the awesomeness of. Well, they probably couldn't fighting a Gundam. Or the couldn't afford to make yeah. it go on
1: longer. I mean, my biggest problems with it are, are niggles. Like, it's it's fine. This is this is my soapbox. This is the this is the hill I'm dying on. This episode, G. Savior is fine. You guys just haven't watched it, or have been told it's bad. Like I was told it was horrible, and I was expecting something, some awful dreck. I mean, even the acting is is fine. Like you get some weird lines, but it's, it's
0: yeah, fine. It, yeah, it's competently acted.
1: Uh, this this isn't this shouldn't be my my hot take for this episode. G Savior is fine. It's not great. It's barely actively good. It's mediocre. I don't know there's worse Gundam you can watch. You can watch Wing. Really? Uh, Wings. Okay, quick quick. Carmen Ranges thoughts on Gundam Wing. It's too long, too convoluted. Character motivations flip flop constantly and make no sense. Um. G-Savior at least is pretty straightforward and concise Gundam Wing I don't really like any of these characters uh, Yeah the, the only good one is Duo Maxwell You don't know who that is Jack will watch this episode, Jack knows who I'm talking about
0: Fine, won't you make a podcast with Jack?
1: Or maybe I will Uh oh, man, yeah uh, That's it, everyone go home now You've heard my thoughts, that's all you came here to hear we right.
0: I, I thought we'd be doing something a bit more in depth and analyzing this, but it's what just is as there to analyze?
1: Is. There's nothing to analyze. Um, sorry, everyone, uh, if you wanted to hear some some deep uh, musings on on the, the 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 meanings behind the themes. Um, the the, the military industrial complex sucks, I guess, and values assets more than human lives. But that's not even a, a consistent theme. It's just. An element that's been brought up any time. Maybe I should reword that. Um, I guess it's the theme, because it comes up when when Mark and Jack interact with each other. Uh, it's not prominent enough for me to think, oh, that is the theme of the movie. The theme of the movie is man needs to eat.
0: I thought the theme was when will man learn?
1: <laughs> well, yes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. There's none of the weird philosophical musings from the earlier Universal Century series. Like, there's no mention of of Humanity's hearts being weighed down by gravity and stuff like that.
0: That would require far more effort than they'd be willing to put in for this. You wouldn't go into this for deepest lore.
1: Well, I don't know. It's not like it doesn't have deepest lore in it. There's plenty you can well, true, work with. Yes. Like the Federation collapsed. How did that happen? Why did that happen? And more importantly, why isn't the film about that? The fall yeah, of that would have been Federation cool. It would be a pretty big thing. Why don't we see that? I want more G Savior. Not because I enjoyed G Savior, but because G Savior has the seed to be a decent story. Like you can move on from that. Like we know the end point of G Savior is that the 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 hunger crisis gets worse. Somehow, our optimistic ending we have in G Savior gets to the point where human cannibalism is uh, an acceptable element of life. Where how do you get to that? How long does it take to get to that? Why why do things fail? And how does
0: it taste?
1: Uh, apparently like pork. Cool. You were weirdly positive about that.
0: Man's got to eat.
1: Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Once the uh, when eat bugs? Well, maybe there's not enough bugs left. I don't know. Like you hear people all the time, like, oh, we're gonna run out of food by 2025. Gotta start eating. Gotta start eating locusts. Gotta eat them bugs. I'm
0: good, thanks. I'll get my protein through other means, by exploiting bolivian farmers and stealing all their quinoa as i become vegan we've run out of stuff to say about g savior i mean wow it just watch it i yeah. feel that's a recurring theme for this podcast though we're just <laughs> like yeah it's okay just go watch it well, that's the- that's gonna be our gimmick
1: maybe we should watch more bad actively bad things then or actively good uh, actually, yes I- let's
0: watch the citizen kane of tokusatsu I I wanted to make some sort of glib remark about it, but nah, Just,
1: yeah, the, nah. We, we got, that's good, we, Yeah, I mean, hey, look, next episode we're doing Gridman. Gridman's good.
0: I'll take your word for it.
1: Well, you won't have to, because you'll be watching it. No! Yeah, that's right. I'm making Rex watch stuff. I'm going to enrich his kind life. What weird
0: power play have we got going on?
1: Honestly, I think that's all I've got to say about you. How about you?
0: Yeah, that's me done. So, to end things, I'll leave you with the wise words of the time I met Jason David Frank. Who are you, and what are you doing in my house?